Welcome back to the New Level Podcast, everyone. My name is Phil, and I'm your host on the show. If you enjoy our content, please consider subscribing, sharing, and hitting the like button. On today's episode, we speak with Dave Couture, Vice President of Development and Technology at La Rochelle Group Conseil. La Rochelle offers information technology consulting services that helps companies propel themselves towards achieving their business objectives while reducing their operating costs through process optimization. Dave Couture is the Vice President of Development and Technology there and has over a decade of experience within the technology solution architect industry. Dave is a member of Corporate Connections Canada, a worldwide business executive group that connects leaders around the world and empowers them to create opportunities and meaningful change in their organizations, communities, and lives. Today, we discuss the top challenges we're seeing in the solution architect industry, why solution architecture and development is so significant for businesses achieving their goals in digital transformation. We also talk about the customer experience and data valorization. And finally, the value consultants can bring to organizations and the long-term effects of collaboration. Without further delay, I bring you Dave Couture from La Rochelle Groupe Conseil. You're listening to the New Level Podcast, where humans talk about automation. We bring you industry experts and share new ideas that help elevate your business. Join your hosts, Philip Aguib and Teresa Foreman, on the journey of automation technology. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the New Level Podcast. Uh, my name is Phil Aguib. I'm your host on the show, and I'm always joined by my awesome co-host, Teresa. Hi, everybody. Good to see you again. And we're extremely happy to have Dave Couture with us. Uh, Dave uh, is the uh, Vice President of Development and Technology at La Rochelle Group Conseil. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. I'm very pleased to be here. Awesome. Yeah, so you and I have uh, spoken uh, over the last few weeks about uh, how you've been helping your customers in various industries, uh, helping them with uh, everything that has to do with automating their processes, which is very much in line with what we do at uh, Vantry Systems, the, the sponsor of the New Level Podcast. Um, and so let's jump right into it. I have a question um, here. Um, so we work at, at Vantry Systems, we work a lot with uh, companies in the manufacturing and, and distribution industry. And I was just curious, what are the top three challenges you're seeing in these industries among your customers and uh, companies that you work with? Uh, great question, uh, great question. Thanks for asking. Uh, I would say the most, we, the most top challenge we, we see, the first one is uh, be able to do a plan for the digital transformation. Uh, that's very important. The other one, um, it's navigating through all the employee pushback. It's not easy to do a change in an organization. I would say the third, the third one, it's uh, be able to always be aligned with the customer needs and their changing needs in uh, in your organization. Uh, so first challenges is to ensure that you get, you identify your objectives. You know what you want to targets as your clients and you need to define a clear vision, a clear goal. And that's not an easy task when you have to, to do that. So if you 
don't do that, you won't have a, a good plan, a good transformation plan. So the first step is ensure that you get right objectives, right targets, and then you'll be able to craft a plan that will bring you from where you are, uh, uh, where you want to go and reach those new clients. So that's the first, uh, I would say the first challenge is to have a, a, a good plans uh, in your transformation. The second one, it's, uh, I would say, navigated through employee pushback. You may want to change something. You will want to uh, be more uh, productive to automate your process, but that will change the employee works that they, that will change their day to day. And you need to take that into account and you need to have a good change management plan. And it is very important uh, to do that. I'll give you an example. I was working on optimizing the development process of one of my clients. So they will be able to deliver more rapidly solutions. And we had someone in the in, in the team that was not, I would say, not very happy with that. Um, he was not really engaged in the meeting, engaged in the change. So we take time with him uh, to identify what will be his gain. So what what he will, as an employee, gain with that changes. And when he understand that those gains. Uh, he start to be more involved in the transformation and it all it, it becomes also a good uh, promoter of those change. So we start with someone that was, I would say, do some pushback and now we have someone that is with us in the transformation and the change in the organization. So we really need a good change, uh, change management plan for the employee. That's very important. Um, I would say the, the third one, it's uh, to be flexible and agile with the customer needs because the customer's needs change rapidly. And if you define a solution that you will put, I would say, in production in six months, maybe the change will have, the client's needs will have changed between those six months. So you must be aware of those changes and you must ensure that you'll be able to change your plan when you see the customer need changes. So it's not, I do a plan and then an execute it, I close. You, you still need to look at your customer at every day. Uh, so you ensure to, to, to meet your objectives. That's, that's very, very good. Um, yeah, I love, I actually love those three, um, those three things you brought up there, because I find, especially the last one, like being able to be adaptable and flexible, uh, because some of these projects, uh, Dave, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they can they can take time. Like none of this happens overnight. Uh, it takes time. And so businesses are, uh, yeah, they set their goals, but they're also evolving during the implementation time. Uh, so I, I can see yeah. why the, the partner or whoever, um, you know, you're working with, um, you know, th they need to be able to be adaptable. Um, so that's that I can appreciate. And then um, to your second point about like change management, um, you know, you know, at Vantry, we help we help a lot of uh, companies optimize their process right through different uh, EDI and API integrations with uh, their supply chain partners. Um, but um, those changes do impact um, employees day to day lives. And although 
um, you know, the IT directors or the VPs or the owners of these companies can see the value in implementing these uh, solutions, uh, someone who's been uh, doing uh, something one way for the last uh, five, 10 years, and then, you know, here we come in as a, a technologist coming in and suggesting solutions, saying, okay, this is how it's going to be going forward. Uh, you know, I think it's important to recognize that that person can uh, feel um, unmotivated to change the way that they do things. Uh, but uh, I think by, like you said, like focusing on what they can gain from that experience is uh, uh, is important. Uh, and then to your first point about making clear objectives, um, you know, I'd love to learn more about that and how you can help companies really outline exactly what they're looking to achieve. I'm sure it's not uh, it's not an easy process. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, but uh, those are all great points. Uh, Teresa, do you have any anything to add to that? I think, um, well, you know, the word agility is, you know, just so overused, but it's so important to be able to, you know, digital transformation, to your point, Phil, does take a long time, but at the same time, there's a sweet spot, right? If it takes too long, then you start to lose uh, engagement, interest, buy-in from the stakeholders within the organization. And I think, Dave, the point you made around uh, the employees is so important because if they don't, usually, you know, software integration, software um, projects like that, where they fail is not that the platform or the program doesn't work, it's adoption and engagement. Right. And if the I, I was just having this conversation with um, a, cl a client last week where they were complaining about this piece of software that they brought in and they said it's not working in the way we thought it would work. And I said, is it not working or is the staff not working, working the, the platform, working the software in the way um, they were meant to? So um, personally, in my experience, if you don't have that adoption and engagement, that that is first and foremost. And you know, change management, an important part of that is tell them what you want to tell them, tell them often, and then tell them again. Right? And it really takes it really takes quite a long time to get employees um, onboarded onto the the digital transformation. Have them understand uh, why the company is doing it. And to your point, Phil, if they don't see the value even in their day-to-day, -day, it's going to be really hard to get them engaged. Oh, yes, they, they need to see the value on, of that change that will help us in their day-to-day uh, day -day task and maybe free them of some, I would say, not more pleasant task and then uh, increase in their um, role in the, the organization since they can do something else, something better or something new. Use, yeah, because they will put those, I would say, those more uh, complicated tasks or more, more clerical tasks that will be that they will be uh, being automated by software. So. Yeah, and and I think uh, just to push a little bit on that um, that topic of uh, you know the human aspect of uh, digital transformation, um, I follow this gentleman, um, Eric Kimberling. He's a ERP consultant. Um, and I really like the content he puts out. Um, and he recently uh, put out a uh, post about exactly this, like just people that are um, in the organization that might feel like this is a challenge for them. And he split he split it up into four different, um, I guess, reasons why someone 
might feel, uh, you know, unmotivated to accept the change. Um, so there's like, um, there's like things like misalignment. Uh, so this could be like, uh, you know, uh, people, processes and technologies don't align, for example. Um, then there's like misunderstanding. This is like more of like the lack of awareness uh, regarding new software functionality, which obviously can be solved with, you know, just more education. Um, then there's the unintentional resistance, um, which is like the, the fear of loss, perceived lack of personal value in the future. Uh, and then there's the intentional resistance, uh, which, uh, you know, it, it could, could be devastating for a digital transformation project. So I think it's interesting that like you would sit down with that employee and like spend time, essentially spend more time with them to identify, you know, what is really blocking them from moving or accepting this change. Um, because at the end of the day, they're, they're, it's a critical element in, in a project like this. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great thing that you guys are doing. Hi everyone. If you enjoy the content, please make sure to share with friends, smash the like button and subscribe. So to move to the next question, I want you to kind of share with us a little bit about what La Rochelle Group Conseil does. Um, and more specifically, uh, what does business and IT architect architecture mean to you and how it can help businesses? Another good good question. Uh, at La Rochelle, what we do is we fuse the business and the technology and we create value for the organization. Uh, so we use technology to unlock the business value and uh, we create a complete transformation roadmap so the company they, they will be able to meet their objective and be the the leader on their markets uh, there's a there's several steps of doing that it's not it's not easy as we enter the place and then we change the organization uh, first the first part that we do i mentioned it earlier we define we help the organization define their objective. That is the first part and it is very important. The business objective they, they, they want to reach. We um, also create what we call a current architecture. So we look at the business in its current states. What are their processes? What are their technology they are using it and for uh, for doing their works and how the company is organized. After that, we create a target architecture. When, where they need to be, to be the top in their market, to reach more client, to do more sales. So we create that target architecture. And between those architecture, the current and the target, there is gap. Because you need to identify those gaps and to create a plan so you will fill those gaps step by step, not in a big bang transformation. We create a plan that we that is actionable. So we do a changes, then we have benefits. We use the benefits, we do another changes, then we create more benefits. So we activate that plan step by step. And during those steps, we can do a bunch of things. We can create, if if it is needed, we can create a new website, new mobile app. We can create a new 
complete that warehouse to store all the data, to create report, to extract business intelligence. Uh, we could also create applied artificial intelligence for optimizing some processes. So all those transformation steps will be in the plan. So the organization will know exactly what we need to do together to make them reach their objectives. And we can do that on cloud. Uh, and I, I know that every everyone is talking about the cloud, so we do everything in the cloud. It could be Azure, it could be Amazon, but we also do it sometimes on-prem. Uh, we have some clients that has a bunch of warehouse all around Canada and United States. And those warehouse doesn't have access or I would say not good access to internet. So we need to do a bunch of uh, a smart part of the process on the warehouse. And then when we have, I would say the good connection, so we'd be able to put it in the cloud. So we're able to do that too with th those clients. And sometimes we we have uh, we need to uh, use out of the bat solution or cut softwares, and uh, in that case, if we we have partners that are um, more uh, that have, have specific knowledge and those technologies and those software, so we work together uh, with those partners to help our clients to to change their business to to do their their, their transformation. Gotcha. So obviously it's like uh, um, going back to what you were saying is establishing that goal, um, doing the architecture of their current uh, system and processes, um, you know, determining the, the target, um, addressing the gap, and then there's a wide range of uh, technologies and, and expertise that, that your team has to, to, to fill those gaps in a you know, actionable way that could deliver benefits to um, to, to to the stakeholders of, of the companies. Uh, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of so many businesses that could benefit from from your help. Um, Teresa, I mean, you you work with a lot with uh, various companies in, in different industries. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what uh, Dave and his team have to offer? I think um, so, Dave, I've worked in the tech space for over 20 years now. Um, half the time on client side, half the time on agency side. And one of the uh, consistent threads I see is that um, companies are in a hurry to get to the doing, right? And don't want to do the thinking sometimes ahead of time because they see that as it's going to take too much time, it's going to cost too much money, let's just get to the implementation. Uh, and, and that never works. Right, you need uh, you need the you need the map, you need the roadmap in order to um, get to places. And so I've seen, you know, one of the things I say a lot is companies never have uh, the time or money to do things right the first time, but they certainly find the time and money to do it right the second time. <laughs> right, <Exactly>. and so <laughs> and so um, and and as a strategist, you know, by trade, like creating a plan execution is is you know what I do for a living so it's really uh, what you just said is really close to my heart so if you could like maybe go into a little bit more detail around you know that roadmap that strategy that planning phase that solution architecture phase and then the development um, of that plan why that really is so important to companies who are looking to transform digitally uh it's very important because you you know that an organization is complex. Uh, it's not only one software. It's a bunch of software. And all those software need 
objects to be used in the process, maybe in a specific orders. And sometimes you, you will do a part on one process and a part on another process. And everything has to be connected. Everything has to talk. Uh, software has to be uh, integrated, but there is a good way of doing integration and there's bad ways of doing integration. If you connect everything, I would, in, in our languages we say point to point, it's like you have only one big software. You, even if you have 10 or 20 software, if you connect them point to point, it's like just one big one software. And if you need to change to adapt your customer needs or to, I would say, uh, optimize or increase a process performance, you need to change a part of that. If everything is connected point to point, you won't be able to do that. Because when you will want, when you will want to remove one part of the solution, everything is attached to it and everything will follow. So you need to use good integration techniques. So you need to define an architecture that will be able to support that. I would give you a, a good example of one way of doing that. If you have common information that you exchange instead of connecting everyone point to point, but you have a, a common format, for example, as EDI, so you can change one software, but the EDI format doesn't change. So it's more flexible in that way in the architecture. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. Hey everyone, if you enjoy the content you're hearing today, please make sure to share with friends, smash the like button and subscribe. Today's episode is sponsored by Vantry Systems. Vantry is a Canadian B2B integration provider specializing in all your ERP integration needs while delivering unparalleled service, advanced technologies, and expert advice with a humanistic approach. If you're looking for deeper data integration and want to eliminate manual data entry, visit www.vantry.com for more information. Now, back to the show. That's a really great point. Um, we do a, quite a lot of web development um, in what I do and, and have for decades. And it used to be that the developer would uh, develop a very customized solution from end to end. And now to your point, there's so many technology options out there. Uh, you can bring in third party um, you know, applications or web tools or whatnot. So you don't have to do all the coding natively. Right, but the the point to point integration is so critical to get the entire ecosystem or the entire customer experience uh, working smoothly. And the more pieces of software you said is you have to integrate, the more complex the uh, the issue becomes. And so what what Phil and I, you know, Phil started the call earlier talking about how we, you know we love technology specifically. We love um, here on the New Level podcast. We love how automation is you know, fueling businesses and moving, you know, moving businesses forward, but also moving people forward. And one of the things that's very dear to our heart is that customer experience, right? And so much of that is dependent on technology now, Te you know, reusing technology um, to answer phones, to send automated, automated emails. You know, there's, there's just so much technology that's driving business now and driving that customer experience that that integration piece is really very important. So I'd love if you could talk to us about a couple of things very specifically. Number one, how do you make sure that customer experience is integrated into 
what you're doing and if you can provide an example of a business you've helped do that. Yes, the customer experience, it's I would say it's the key to success. It's very important. You can have the best, I would say the best foundation on a house. If you don't have a good living room, there is no way you will sell your house. It's the customer experience is the same. So it's hard to um, to uh, get that customer experience right. You need to, I would say, do what we call what we use. We, we use uh, design techniques uh, approaches, and those are workshops that we do with our clients, with the user. We do a lot of research and workshop with them to ensure that we really understand their needs and the way they want to do it. Not only the not only the software feature, but the complete customer journey. We need to understand that because sometimes the user use your software or use your solution, goes on your website, but between those the time he goes on it and he returns, we need to know where are the connection points and how you will be able to get in back to you. So that's that's a part of um, customer experience that we need to define through workshop and and having to go see real customer if it's required just to get their feedbacks. And after that, when we have all those, we can then start designing a software solution, but we never we we always need to start with the customer experience, then the software solution. I know it's hard for us, uh, an IT guy to say that, but it's the best. It's the customer experience. If it's nice, it's, it's, it's easy to use. It will work. Even if the even if you have the best technology, this is not easy to use. It won't be used. So that's very interesting. I'll give you an example of what we have done for customer experience. Uh, we meet a client two years ago. And uh, she was in, uh, she is still in um, uh, compliance. Uh, you know, I will give you an example of compliance. You're not supposed to um, set the gas prices between between companies. That's not correct. It's not. Uh, it's against the law. So, uh, so she specialized in that, and she do training on that. And that's not very. Uh, I would say it's not. Um, the most ex exciting subject to to be trained on it. Uh, so we decide to change completely the customer experience. Instead of having a courses with maybe video, audio, text, and then a questionnaire, a quiz at the end, we completely transform that to a game. Uh, so we gamify the the training instead of having texts and questions. Now you play a characters that goes on conferences, goes on meetings, you meet people and you speak with those people and based on the answer you give, you gave to the to the people you meet, you earn points. So you earn business points and compliance points. And at any time of the game, you can just take a pause and go read some part of information that is related to that situation, not a bunch of, uh, I would say, 10,000 pages text or 100,000 pages text. It's aligned with the situation you're in. So it's easy to, it's more, uh, I would say it's more fun to learn like that. 
And uh, so that's that's a way that we completely change that, starting from having a course to a quiz, then to play a game. And uh, in that project, we we work with some uh, someone who, who create board game. So we call it say, hey, you're you're nice, you you're good, you you have create board game in your, in your life. Come and see. So we do a lot of workshop, design thinking workshop with that guy with with my teams. And then we we designed that solution that it's very nice to to use and it's very fun to learn now the the compliance law with that solution instead of would say reading books. What you what you said about design thinking is so important and um, it's worth the time and money and investment you know the overhead investment and in getting that done initially looking at the customer journey and designing an experience based on a research that you've done right based on what the target audience is looking for and whatnot um so that was really important and the other thing i see a lot of companies struggle with is when the subject matter might be a little bit dry as you know compliance might be finding a way to make it engaging, finding it a way to gamify it or make it fun contributes to that customer experience, right? And, and can turn what would have been maybe a not so pleasant experience if you're reading very dry things about compliance and make it make it fun, make it interesting, which makes um, helps people retain the information more, helps them, you know, make it a little bit more memorable, uh, leaves a positive feeling, you know, with the the customer on what the, the brand did for them. So I just I love everything about that example. Yeah, that's that's a great example, Dave. Um, I think I would be more likely to learn about compliance if uh, it was through a game. So uh, it just goes to show uh, how sometimes engaging with um, you know consultants that kind of specialize in you know helping companies improve that customer experience can really think outside of the box. And there's it, it shows that like it's not just technology. Uh, it, it, there's a there's a certain like creative aspect to making sure people are engaged um, while they're you know uh, interacting with your business. So that's that's a great example there. Um, so aside from the creative uh, you know thinking and, and work, um, you know more and more we're seeing the importance of, of data and data being critical to make uh, the appropriate decisions for. Uh, for businesses and, and all industries right now. Um, can you can you talk to us a little bit more about um, data valorization and uh, share an example of how you helped a company uh, with this uh, type of service that you offer? Ah, yes, yes. Uh, as you said, the cost, uh, data valorization, it's uh, important. And for example, if you want to meet customer needs, uh, you need to understand them. I will give you, a, I would say, common example first, and then I will go with my example. But if you want to sell something to a client, if you have an online shop, you need to capture the data. Uh, you need to know which web page they goes on. You need to know which product they look at. You need to know if they put a product in their basket and then remove it. Maybe it's it's a, give you valuable information. So. Every piece of data that you can capture on the client will help you to adjust your solution for that clients. Uh, I remember having looking. Um, uh, it's a AirPod for Apple uh, phone. 
a bunch of times. Uh, so I put it in my basket and remove it, put it, remove, put it, remove. And I, I receive an email from Amazon that said, if you buy that uh, AirPods today, you will, we will deliver it to you tonight. So they take the chance, since they know all that data, to put it in maybe in a truck or a delivery truck and just bringing near my house so I could buy it. So when you have that kind of data, it's you can change the way you approach your clients and you can target them very well. But the example I will give you, it's not really about reaching more client. It's about to changing people's life. Uh, we were working uh, on a project for chronic disease. And uh, when people leave with chronic disease, one part that is complex is to remember uh, what are the symptoms that you have every day before you go see your doctor. And it's hard to remember. And some in some cases, in some chronic disease, all that information will give you, you it will give to your doctor the insight he needs to select the right medication for you. So the, the application, it's it's quite it's quite basic. It's questionnaire that you can fill every day with the symptom that you have, and then it it grab all that data and your doctor has access to it. But moreover that, if the clients allows that, we anonymize the data and we put all those data in a big, what we call in a big data sets. So instead of having the uh, the data from only one person, we can have it for thousands of person, thousands of symptoms, thousands of several medication dose and um, frequency that they take it. So based on that, it's easy to do research and create new medication. And those medication will change people's lives. So that's, for me, that's a good way of talking about data valorization. We change people's life using the data we capture because we were able to, uh, I would say, analyze those data and create new medication for them. And you create, you end up creating new value streams, right, for the yeah. consumer, which I think is really important. Now, as, as a business person, um, you know, there's so much data. Part of the challenge is figuring out what's the right data to look at, what's it telling me, uh, you know, how do I use it, how do I use it ethically? Frankly, that's a conversation that happens um, a lot, so you don't break trust, right, with your consumer, because consumers, while they're very sophisticated, they also, I don't think, completely still yet understand how much data businesses have on them. Mm -hmm. And when they find out, you know, they, they're not always so happy. They, they love that Amazon will say, Hey, um, see, so you're looking at the AirPods going to give you $50 off. They love that. Yeah. Um, but they don't necessarily love, you know, some of the other things that come with, um, with the data. So I, I just find it so fascinating. It's such an interesting time. Uh, and sometimes it's just too much data, right? So trying to figure, figure out, what can we take out of this 
you know, this database of data and what value streams can we provide to the consumers in a way? Because consumers are happy to give you their information if they feel there's an, a value exchange. Yeah. It's when they feel that they're just giving, you know, all their information and not getting anything in return where that trust um, starts to erode. So, I, I mean, I'm such a, I'm just geeking out about this stuff. I just love this stuff so much. And I think, uh, Dave, the role that you play, the role that your company plays in terms of um, that consulting piece, right? Two businesses who are trying to go through digital transformation in order to create these value streams, create better customer experiences is so critical because as you said earlier, if you don't have a plan around it, if you haven't done the design thinking around it, then you risk alienating your customer or your prospect. And, and once, once they're gone, it's very hard and very expensive to get them back. And so I would really love to uh, hear from you. You know, one of the things Phil and I focus on here at the podcast is looking, we, we've talked to a lot of consultants over the last couple of years or so that we've been doing this. And um, it's happening more and more where these consultative services are being uh, hired or brought in to help companies do this. So explain, if you can talk to us a little bit from your, as the consultant, from your side, the value that consultants are bringing to the organizations and ultimately like how is that going to impact uh, not just the companies, but the jobs within the companies over time? Uh, I would say con consultant, the first we need to talk, uh, we need to think about experiences. Why? Uh, because in our, in our day-to-day -day job, we, we touch several business domains. I've worked in, on my military project, I've worked on a financial project and bunch of different projects in my life. So I have uh, an expert, not an expertise, or uh, an experience in several business domains. What I saw, I have an expertise in several technologies. Uh, each of my clients has different technologies different way of using those technologies. So I'm able to have a good experience in many domains and in many technologies. So that helped me bring that experience to my clients. So I'm able to, to tell them, you know, you have that good idea, that's a good idea, but we need to pay attention to that. I'm able to, to give them advice because I've seen that elsewhere. So that's a very, very valuable insight that we can bring as consultant to the organization. And since we do it in several domain, we could try those techniques. We can, we can change them, uh, increase them over and over. So when we go on another clients, we are, I would say, on top of the edge of the, the new way of doing things. So that's, I think that's good valuable, uh, uh, that's the value that we could bring as consultant to organization. But I would say that it will change over time what consultant will do. Actually, we are uh, more manpower. So organization uh, are missing people. Uh, there is a resource shortage and they hire consultant, I would say, to fill uh, a job in their organization. That's a part of consulting, but I think it will shift to more coaching. 
since we as an architect, we work in several projects, several business domain. We we see good things, we see bad things, we we see success, we see failure. Uh, our job will probably shift to helping the uh, resource inside the organization to grow in competency. So I think it will a little bit switch to uh, coaching more than doing uh, in our clients. I like I like the word coaching um, versus consultant for two reasons. I think sometimes in my life anyways, I am a consultant, you know, so I sometimes consultant is a dirty word. <laughs> you know, to people here like, oh, that's expensive. You're going to come in and tell me, you know, what to do and then we're not going to do it. Um, and I think I don't think that does service to the word, whereas the word coach, you know, it's it's a it's an everyday word. People, when they hear it, they're like, oh, somebody's going to come and help me. They're going to train me. They're going to make me better. They're going to make me, you know, a star um, at my at my craft. So I love where you went with coaching, Dave. I think that's more apt than consultant, and it's more relatable. It's it's friendlier maybe than the word consultant, even though that's what you're doing. You're consulting. And um, so I love that you're framing that the the industry is going that way. It's just, it just feels warmer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that I think organizations need to think about. I think um, as you speak to you know shareholders of of companies and uh, leaders in companies, um, it's not everyone who has identified that hey, like I can actually use help, <laughs> uh, and so I think uh, taking that coaching approach is good. And and I think the message to those people who are maybe doubting the value that can that a consultant or a coach can bring to their organization is is exactly what you said. It's experience, it's competency, it's how you know can can this person help me avoid major mistakes? Yes, the answer is yes, pretty much all the time. Now I, I'm sure that people need to do their due diligence. They need to make sure that they choose the right consultants, people with experience, expertise in their field, if they can find it. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I, I must agree with you that consultants and, and coaches can bring a lot of value to businesses. Um, you know, just by bringing those experiences to the table. Um, so you know that's... what? You know what's another great value, Phil, that they can bring. You mentioned experiences, whatnot, and what I think they bring also isn't is they're neutral, right? So sometimes you're you're coming into a digital transformation project, and Dave, I'm sure you've seen this. There's a lot of politics at yes. that table. And there's competing agendas, right? People, you know, sales want something different than marketing, who wants something different than the chief revenue officer, who wants something, the CEO wants something, the CFO wants something. And when you bring in a coach like that, there, there's, there's just more objectivity and sometimes yeah. takes that tension down a bit and makes the project a little bit um, less political. Yeah, effectively. Because as, as consultant or coach, we are not there to take the decision. Yeah. We're here to help them take the decision. That's to, right. To 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 uh, to do reflection, to analyze all the, the the point of view of every person. So and we can give them advice, but we do not take the decision for them. And that part is very interesting because instead of having different agenda, 
you 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 are able to bring everyone together toward the same objectives. That's right. It's very yeah. it's very important because if you don't, then it just it just goes off the rails, right? And more time yeah. and more money, and then relationships internally start to break down. And um, it's really really important and a very important role in and you know guiding. As you said, you're not making the decisions, but you have the expertise to say, here are the pros, here are the cons. Um, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I find, you know, we talked about uh, sh shortage in, in staff and resources. Uh, I find, you know, since the, the pandemic started, uh, we've seen that accelerate. Um, I find another thing that, um, you know, has taken a toll on companies is this, uh, you know, working remote, um, you know, situation where uh, companies are forced to decide what to do. Are, are they going back to work at the office? Are they going to do a hybrid environment? You have big companies who announce that, you know, their staff can work from home forever. And so I think that, uh, you know, in this uh, digital age, where everyone meets online. Um, I'm curious from a consultant coach perspective, uh, Dave, if you can talk to us about the difference uh, in, you know, in your opinion between uh, in-person meeting, online meetings, um, when it comes to sort of uh, relationship development. It's a very, very good questions. Very interesting, interesting one. I, I would say, I would start by saying that I really love technology. I'm in technology since I'm 12 years old when my mother bought me my first computers. It's a long time ago. We were using audio cassette to record our program on the computer. No diskettes, no USB drive, no cloud. There wasn't internet at all when I started doing uh, software. But and, and, and my Google was my book. That was the only part. So I love that technology. I think that the long term those collaboration tools will help to create virtual teams around the globe they will help to reach talent at other places we don't have one here we can reach another country another city somewhere else and we can create those virtual teams that collaboration will help that will help to create the best thing that we need to do the work but that's that's the part that is very interesting. But aside that, I think we must really pay attention to um, work-life balance using those collaboration tools. Everyone has a computer, everyone has a cell phone, uh, and all those tools are available on all on all the, the computer and the cell phone. So we need to pay attention. It's very nice to create virtual teams to work with people everywhere in the globe, but we must pay attention to our family and work balances. If I have an idea or something like that on the weekend and I put it in Microsoft Teams or Slack or any collaboration tools, you will be notified right away on Saturday, on Sunday, but you are not supposed to work. But we must pay attention to that. I send you an email on Friday night because I have something in my head and say I just want to let it out. So I'm writing down an email and send it. 
you will get it on your phone. You will see that I send you an email. So it may, it's not, you may be tend to read it. So we need to pay attention to that. There's a lot of tools, for example, in Outlook, you can write an email and say, don't send it before Monday. So I think that's, it's very interesting. Technology are very interesting to increase the collaboration, to put everyone together and to work with, I would say, extremely talented people from all around the globe. That's very nice. That's cool. That's, I would say that's very uh, amazing that we can do that. But I would say, always remember that we still have a life outside the technology and it's very uh, important to pay attention to that. And uh, I will add, add another point on that. It's sometimes it's, it's easy. It's not easy to create or to get the, the requirement or the need of the clients without being on site. Uh, some, I would say I'm creating a website for uh, selling uh, stuff online. I may be designing it from anywhere in the world, but I was working on a project. We were optimizing the ship maintenance. It's uh, you have to optimize the, the, the plan of the ship maintenance. And we, and we went directly on the shipyard. We go on the ship. We go in the room to see the people works. And I need to mention that space are small. <laughs> Leather are very short and there is no space for computers. There is no internet connection there. When you are on the ship, the only things you can bring is a cell phone and inside the ship is not working. There are too many uh, metals and in the room, so it's very complicated. So I think that those collaboration tools help create teams with valuable expertise, but we still need to be on site sometime to ensure that we get the right requirements and the right needs of our clients. That it's very, very important. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, I think that everyone appreciates the um, ease of use of the, the collaboration tools. Um, but I remember when I had my first visit um, post pandemic where I was able to meet a customer and, and, and get to know them, uh, I find that the relationship built in that one, you know, human interaction, whatever that was, it was maybe half an hour, an hour, uh, was uh, more meaningful for our relationship than, um, you know, all the times that we spent just online, even sharing screens or sharing video. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, being able to put yourself in their shoes, literally, uh, is is more powerful. Um, and so, yeah, I think that having a balance of both is is important. Uh, but yeah, wow, have we come a long way uh, over the last uh, couple of years um, with all of these softwares available to us to to make our lives easier to collaborate, communicate. Um, I think it's important to to reflect and understand that there's limits uh, to all of that, and that at the end of the day, we need to go home to our families and, and live our lives because work isn't all about, uh, life isn't all about work. So 
Um, Gay Phil and I were joking on a on a podcast a few months ago that nothing uh, has driven digital transformation more than COVID. No CEO, yeah. no CEIO, no CTO. I mean, there's been more movement in the last couple of years than many, many years before it. And um, to your point, the fact that we can, you know, video somebody in Germany, you know, at any time, any day, like, you know, I was on a, a call with a client this morning who uh, was a passenger in the car and took the call from the car, um, you know, and then turned off his video because we were all getting a little motion sick. But <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just amazing um, what we can do. And I think, if you know, anything positive is coming out of the pandemic. It's that we have realized that we don't have to be chained to our desks in order to be productive and drive change, which is great. The downside, as you mentioned, is turning it off 24-7. You know, when you're not leaving the office and when you don't have that sort of natural break between work and home, and there's data that shows people are working longer days um, uh, from home because we just don't know when to stop or we're working through lunch or you look up and it's 6.30. And having to have that uh, that work-life, it's, it's not even work-life balance anymore. It's sort of work-life integration, but how you respect the boundaries around your personal time and where people, I mean, I'm terrible at it, frankly, and it's something, And but I always have been even before COVID. But now, you know, companies, provinces, countries are starting to put regulations and legislation into place, right? About, you know, you can't contact your staff after 6 p.m. Or, or, you know, I read about a company in Germany who shall remain nameless a few years ago who turn off their email clients, um, you know, at the end of the workday and don't turn it on until the next morning to protect their staff, you know, who aren't, so they won't be sending emails uh, at 11 o'clock at night. I, I have a staff member um, who yesterday went to see her and I said, okay, it's been about two weeks now that you're sending me emails at 11 o'clock at night. Let's talk about it. Do you have too much on your plate? Like, because we're not in the office, I can't see what she's doing day to day and I'm just getting her job done. But she says, no, I had a couple of appointments. So I came back online at night. Perfect. But I don't want to hear that, you know, you're working a 16 hour day because if you are, something's wrong. And so I think it's, it's, you know, technology, it's, it's, there's so much good that comes with it. And then there's so many things we sort of have to manage so it doesn't take over <laughs> everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a challenge. I think we're, we have the right people, um, the right leaders and organizations um, to, to, to balance that. Uh, and I think uh, even like the staff is aware that, hey, I need to, um, and it's often coming from the significant other, you know, like my wife would be like, hey, she'll call me on my cell phone. She's upstairs and she'll say, <laughs> hey, it's lunchtime. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, um, you got to balance this sort of work <laughs> ethic and, uh, and, uh, and making sure you're, you know, you're healthy mentally and physically. So that's, that's good. It's um, funny that she calls you from upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> just a quick anecdote on on, on yeah. that. And uh, I have two kids, and uh, sometimes they are they, they have their earphones and they're doing homework or maybe playing video games. So my girlfriend uh, had a, a bell, a big bell, in the kitchen. So when everything is ready to for lunch, just just ring the bell like in the old times. Yeah. That's awesome. Instead of chatting them. Otherwise, they don't hear you, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or you get to jump in front of them and like make faces and, you know, and they're like, yeah, take off their ear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, 
Dave, we've had a blast uh, having you on the New Level podcast. Um, this has been truly amazing. I want to give you the opportunity to give our audience uh, a chance to learn more about you, uh, your work, your organization, and, and how they, they can get in touch with you. So what's the best way that the, the audience can get in touch with you? Uh, the best way, I think, it's by, I would say, email or by my LinkedIn profile. If you go on LinkedIn, you send me a messages, I will be pleased to answer. Or otherwise, you can email me at uh, dave.couture uh, at larochellegc.com. So you will be able to get in touch with me. Uh, that's, uh, I think that LinkedIn and email is the two best uh, way of getting in touch. Awesome. And do you have any uh, exciting projects uh, coming up uh, that, uh, that you want to share with the audience, uh, something that they can look out for? Uh, pro uh, business project or uh, outside business project because we <laughs> I have also uh, project outside business. We I would say business project. Uh, we are looking um, to develop IoT related project uh, since we can get data from multiple sensors and then analyze that. So we're working on that. It's very interesting to increase, I would say, the productivity in the enterprise, having data directly on on the uh, on the site on the machine that's part of that that's the interesting project to come uh but also i'm involved in uh, other project and uh, i hope we are working at uh, opening a brew pub in uh, maybe one year so that will be a, a, a great place to be and to have a good uh, a good beer if Phil and I will come. come to the grand opening yes. yes we will come to the grand opening and sample all the beer yeah, it's all on me. So if you come <laughs> to the opening, it will be very nice. Perfect. I'll I'll be the first one knocking on your door, Dave. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I I took a uh, a beer making course the other day, and I learned really? a lot about beer. So um, I'm excited to to sample uh, to sample your beer. Maybe if you know if you're not at the point where you're opening. Um, you know, the brew pub yet, but you need someone to sample beer to see what's good, what's not good. I could, I could volunteer for that. Yeah, I will be in the Dominican Republic at the end of April and we are, uh, I would say a beer project there too. So we need to work on recipe and drafting new beer. I will bring you a sample. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much okay. for coming on to the podcast, Dave. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me uh, with you today, Philip and Teresa. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. It's great meeting you. Interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, yeah, we hope to have you back again soon, Dave. Take care. Excellent. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the New Level Podcast, where humans talk about automation. We bring you industry experts and share new ideas that help elevate your business. Join your hosts, Philip Aguib and Teresa Foreman on the journey of automation technology.